0: Are you tired? Are you anxious? Are you worn down? Turn to Exodus chapter 20. Turn to Exodus chapter 20. Before we read God's Word, let's pray together. Lord, we come in the quietness of this hour and in the context of of singing your praise and lifting our voices and our hearts up to you in prayer. And we come enjoying fellowship with, with one another in Sunday school classes and communities But more than anything else, we want to know, see, love Jesus Christ. We don't want to play church. We want to come and we want to hear from you. We want your word to come alive, we want it to be shed abroad poured out by the power of the Holy Spirit into our hearts. We want the Holy Spirit to turn our heads so that our eyes are fixed on Jesus. So come, Holy Spirit, as we read your word. Lord, in a day when messages come at us from so many different directions, with so many different offerings, here's the way. Here's the truth. Here's the life. We know that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And once we know him, everything changes. Everything. And so we pray that as we read your word, as we walk through it and learn from it, we pray that it would change us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus chapter 20 verses 8 through 11. 20, 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is God's Word. My daughter, some of you know my, my daughter, posted a video yesterday. And at the bottom of that video, posted online, and at the bottom of the video, it said, One two-year-old, one balloon, and two dogs equals chaos and the video goes on some of you may know and and the balloon is bobbing up and down in the room the dogs are running all over the room going nuts and ethan who's a two-year-old is also going nuts and he is clearly needing a nap but what's he doing you've seen it you do it little kids do it everybody does it he is fighting what he needs He is fighting what's best for him. And he does it all the time, and so do I. I need to hear this sermon. You need to hear this sermon. We fight what we most need. And we have before us a gift. We have before us a gift, and God wants to give it to us. I was reading recently the story of a man, his name is Walter Kern and by the standards of this world, quite successful, Um, Ivy League educated, successful in his vocation, a published author, the kind of guy that people in his world want to hear from. They want to know his opinion, what he thinks, what he has to say. Name recognition and wealth within, within his world. And he writes a little statement of autobiography and says this about himself Alone in my room, as he's gotten older Alone in my room, congested and exhausted I love that, that's me, congested and exhausted I forgot my obsession with self-advancement I wanted to lose myself Instead of filling in the blanks, I wanted to be blank and to be filled in. We spend so much time filling in blanks and checking off boxes, and they're good blanks, and they're good boxes, but they're not the best blanks, and they're not the best boxes. But boy, do they keep us busy, and boy, do they keep us Distracted. I love this. Filling in the blanks. I finally got to the point where I wanted to be blank. And I wanted to be filled in. What's the answer? What's the answer? The answer is the biblical, the rich, life-changing, deep, biblical doctrine, biblical truth, biblical gift of rest. Lee quoted from St. Augustine earlier in the service, our hearts are restless until we find our rest in him. Augustine also said, famous quotations came to mind listening to that, God wants to give us good gifts. He daily wants to give us good gifts, but our hands are too full. We have no hands to receive them. Because they're too full. How do we enter God's rest? Let's get practical. How do we enter God's rest? said earlier in the service that we are in our second installment of Simple Graces. We started last week by talking about contentment. This week, we're going to talk about rest. How do you enter God's rest? Where is this rest? What is this rest? How do we find it? Two points of emphasis, the Lord's day, the Lord's day, and the Lord's way. The Lord's day, and the Lord's way. The Lord's day. I know what you're thinking, some of you, oh boy, here it comes. He's going to tell us what we can do and can't do on Sundays. And I'm going to walk out of here uh, guilty and beat up. Well, you know, we all need to be guilty and beat up sometimes, but that's not going to be my emphasis. There's all kinds of stories that we have heard of, that we can talk of, maybe that we experienced about how people feel about what you can do and what you can't do on Sunday. Uh, there are some wonderful stories. One of them, you, you may not know this, but Sunday, S-U-N. D-A-E, is intimately related with the Fourth Commandment. You you may not have known that. It's it's intimately related to the Fourth Commandment. Back in the 19th century, uh, in a small town in Illinois, in Evanston, Illinois, uh, the the city fathers decided that it was was a desecration of the Lord's Day to, to drink ice cream sodas. And so they banned soda water they banned the use of soda water on sunday no ice cream sodas that's not appropriate that's frivolous so some enterprising ice cream store came up with this stuff called syrup and they decided to dump the syrup on the ice cream and hence we have the ice cream Sunday. it's legal and we can eat it on sunday Now, maybe, see, aren't you glad you know that now? Um, for, For some of you, we begin to talk about the fourth commandment, and maybe you've already tuned out. Because you're expecting a bony finger. Maybe you've already tuned out. Come back. Come back if you have. Uh, You're thinking of the do's and don'ts. Some of you, depending on your background, your church background, your denominational background, maybe you have no church background. I know there's some of you like no church background. You've never even thought about Sunday being any different than any other day. It's the day that I go to church, and uh, that's great, and, and then I go home and I do what I do. I've never thought about it. Well, let me challenge all of us. With a very simple, this is simple graces after all. This is a simple statement. It's one of the Ten Commandments. So we, that by, by virtue of that very simple fact, we ought to take notice. It is in the same list with idol worship, with worshiping the true God only, with taking the Lord's name in vain, with honoring our fathers and mother, not, mothers, not not stealing. not committing adultery, not coveting. For that very reason, we should be paying uh, close attention. The Lord's Day. There are three basic emphases here in, in this passage. We are called, they are called, we are called to remember, to work, and to rest. Why remember? For them. Now, the Israelites, this isn't the first time they've heard this. He's saying, remember. Why remember? First of all, we go all the way back to Genesis 2. This is a day that is blessed. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested. This Sabbath day, this this day is blessed. Secondly, He tells his people, they know it, they've heard it before, this is a gift. You remember the story of wandering in the wilderness and the bread of heaven comes down. And God says, I'm going to provide you with the bread of heaven, all you need. But I'm not going to provide it for you on the Sabbath day. But I'll provide you overwhelmingly before the Sabbath day. You'll have everything you need. And what do they do? They get up on the Sabbath day and they go out looking for the bread of heaven. And God says, it... I told you I was going to provide that for you. And I did in abundance. Why do you keep rebelling? This is a gift. You see that in Exodus 16. The Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. So rest on the seventh, he tells them. It's a blessing and it's a gift. And then in Exodus 31, listen to this. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. Exodus 31, 16. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested, listen to this, he rested and was refreshed. It's a blessing, it's a gift, it's a time of rest and refreshment. And he's telling them, remember. Remember. Secondly, work. A few years ago, I was reading a, um, an article about a member of the most popular rock band in history. Uh, the rock band that most people would say is that maybe the, the most popular, the most influential, uh, the most famous. Who would that be? Yes. most of you got The Beatles. Uh, the Beatles. Okay. Here's the interview. Rolling Stone. A few years ago when he was still alive. Interview with John Lennon. Here's the question. Would you do it again? Would you do it again? His answer was no. No. He said, I would rather be a fisherman. And then he goes on to talk about... It's no fun, it's torture, it's, it's difficult, and, and I, I resent it, and, and all of that. And, and we need to remember, in the midst of these kinds of messages, work is not, let me say this clearly, work is not the result of the fall. Adam and Eve were called to, in, in essence, like God, create and cultivate before the fall. They were given gifts, To create and cultivate in the world around them before the fall. And He's given you gifts, whatever they are, and He's called you to create and cultivate for His glory with those gifts that He has given you. In six days you shall labor and do all your work. Colossians 3.23 Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Ephesians 4.28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he might have something to share with those in need. Work is good. There's this command to work. We are made to work. We need to work. I was on the phone on Friday with a person who will go unnamed, and he said, Oh, wait a minute, i got to go. My daughters just walked in, and they're dressed up like cows. Now, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Friday was Cow Appreciation Day in the United States of America. Did you know that? Cow Appreciation Day, and there were people all over the United States dressing up like cows, which is utterly ridiculous. No, that's awful. Uh, uh, dressing up like cows, and he had to hang up. And 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 go take pictures of the of the cows. This, this is not an advertisement for Chick Fil A. It's not. I like the spicy one best, though. But this is not this is not an ad, advertisement for Chick Fil A. But Stu, uh, Truett Truitt Kathy, Truitt Kathy, the founder of of Chick Fil A, has uh, what what he calls the five step recipe for business success. You can find it on the website. And in the first four steps, he mentions hard work, integrity, service, kindness, loyalty, um, people. Basic things, interesting, like cultivating loyalty and kindness and showing people uh, mercy and things like that. It's, it's, It's wonderful. And then number five. Here's what he says. I was not so committed to financial success that I was willing to abandon my principles and my priorities. One of the most visible examples of this is our decision to close on Sunday. Our decision to close on Sunday was our way of honoring God and of directing our attention to things that mattered more than our business. And Chick-fil-A has experienced now 40 years of consecutive sales increases. Now that doesn't happen to everybody, but what an example of faithfulness. Thomas Gandhi uh, re- reminded me that one of their, uh, between services, one of their, their uh, slogans was, the day is worth more than the dollar. The day is worth more than the dollar. What an example of how to work, how to work and work well. And dress up like a cow. And how to rest. And have, you know, have fun. And and how to rest. How to work. How to rest. And that brings us to rest. Remember, work. Rest. You know what Sabbath means? You know what what Sabbath in Hebrew means? It means cease. Stop. Quit. Take a break. (laughs) A Sabbath. There is a a, a fascinating series of of writings uh, on this whole topic. And believe it or not, they're by a person who's not a Christian, but she has a Jewish background, and she was very rebellious against her Jewish background because it was kind of strict with regard to the Sabbath. And her name is Judith Shulevitz. You can find her, you can Google her, and she's written a number of really really quite thoughtful things on, on the Sabbath. On what Sabbath is, and she rebelled against that for years and years and years, and then she came to the point of of, of saying this. About a decade ago, I developed a full blown weekend disorder. It came on Friday nights. My mood would, would darken until Saturday afternoon, and then I'd just go unresponsive. My normal routine which involved brunch with friends and swapping tales of of romance and professional success, uh, was making me feel impossibly restless. And so I started spending Saturdays uh, by myself. And then I did something that I would have never imagined doing. I began dropping by the local synagogue. And she found the, she talks about the Sabbath, the Israelite Sabbath institutionalized an astounding, hitherto undreamed of notion. She's saying this is radical stuff, these these Ten Commandments, particularly for the time in which they were given to the people. This, and what's this notion? That every single creature needs rest, not just the rich or the privileged, but everybody, men, women, slaves, strangers animals. Everybody is made to need rest. And this was radical. And then she says this, ours is a society that pegs status to overachievement. We can't help admiring workaholics. Let me argue instead on behalf of an institution that has kept workaholism in reasonable check for thousands of years. Religious rituals, things like the Sabbath, do not exist simply to promote togetherness. They are designed to convey a certain story about who we are. That is just great stuff. Pray for her uh, that she'll come to be a Christian. Why is it that Sunday morning is usually the most difficult morning of the week? Everybody, we've we got to get up, we've got to eat, we've got to get dressed. Uh, We got. We got to look nice. We got to smile. We got to be there on time. And 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 we're gonna we're gonna worship God and we're gonna fellowship whether you like it or not. You know, I know. Sunday mornings are often tough. I don't want to go, and I. You know, all we all go through that, and it's Sunday mornings tough, isn't it? But we are made to need this. We are made to step into this rhythm. No matter what happens in your life, no matter how crazy it is on Sunday morning or any other morning, Sunday comes along once a week. You can count on it. It's there. In fact, go back to Genesis 2. two. It's woven into the very fabric of creation. The, J, the day is changed from Saturday to Sunday because Christ was resurrected on Sunday. Every Sunday is resurrection day. Every Sunday is the Lord's day. And that is the rhythm that we're meant to step into. It's a gift. And no matter how crazy, kooky, wild, and worn out you are, Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. And I know it's not always the the most wonderful thing to be, believe it or not, not everybody in this room is perfect. But we are made to need each other, and we are made to need this day. It's woven into the fabric of creation and into the fabric of who we are as made in God's image. One commentator says this, the Sabbath, the Sabbath is a deliberate act of interference, an interruption of our work each week, a decree of no work so that we will be able to notice, attend, listen, and assimilate the comprehensive and majestic work of God and orient our work to His work. I love that. One of the better definitions of the Sabbath I've ever seen. We're made to need it. Remember, work, rest. What did Jesus do on the Sabbath? What what did Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Read the New Testament and look, see what Jesus does on the Sabbath. He goes to the synagogue, he worships. What does he often do after he does that? He's usually in somebody's home. He's usually around a table, around a meal. He's often in somebody's home. And what is he doing often before or after the home? He's helping somebody or healing somebody. Not a bad model. Not a bad model. He goes to the synagogue. We we obviously come now to church to worship him, fellowshipping with one one another, being in and out of one another's home, hospitality, fellowship, and helping, healing, serving. But if that's where we stop, we're gonna we're gonna go to church. We're going we're gonna to be in one another's home. We're going to do hospitality. And we're going to help and heal and, and serve. If that's where we stop, we'll never know rest. We'll never know true rest. There's another rest, a deeper rest. Remember last, last week we said you don't find contentment by looking inside or escaping from the ordinary. You don't find contentment that way. And you don't find rest by saying, okay, enough. I'm not doing anything for anybody. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to focus on myself. And, and I'm not going to keep filling in the blanks. I'm not going to keep doing things for others. I'm going to start focusing on, on myself. And you'll never find this deep, true, profound, life-changing rest by being selfish. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many detours you take, how many vacations you take, how many naps you take, you'll never know rest unless, not only the Lord's day, but you know the Lord's way. The Lord's way. And Hebrews chapter 4 is a wonderful commentary on this text. If you have your Bibles, turn there to Hebrews chapter 4. And... Rest is mentioned several times in this passage and we can't um, go into all of the the meanings of, of rest here, uh, but we can mention several, the, the most important. In verse 3, so I declared on oath in my anger they shall never enter my rest and there's several passages throughout the, uh, the chapter that mentioned this rest. What is this rest? This is the rest that we've already talked about. This is physical rest, social rest. The rest that God wants to give His people that they need as they enter into the promised land. You know what it is? It's rest for people who have been enslaved by whatever enslaves them. Promised land, rest. But secondly, you see this in verses 4 and 5, God's rest. Does God get tired? Does God get worn out? Does God get weary? Why does God rest? There's this promised land rest for slaves. Come in, settle, be free, no longer enslaved to anything. If you go back to Genesis 2, God rests. Why? Because He is Satisfied. He creates. He rests. He lays it down. He's satisfied. He lays it down. He puts it down. It is good. It is good. Satisfaction. Physical rest. Satisfaction. But the the rest I particularly want to focus on here is in in verses 9 through 15. I'm going to call it this, gospel rest. Gospel rest. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from His. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. The Israelites who disobeyed. For the word of God, and here it is, the word of God, look at the context, the word of God is is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare. everything. You know what? You are you are, I am, every bit as exposed. As, as Adam and Eve were in their nakedness, God knows you. He knows you better than your spouse. He knows you better than your best friend. He knows you. You are an open book to God. Everybody is. Everything is uncovered. Literally, literally here, naked. And this word, laid bare, it may be a different word in your translation, and laid bare, you know what the, there's one Greek word behind that word, you know what it is? It's the Greek word from which we get the English word trachea. I had never seen this before. Laid bare behind that word is a word for trachea. And you know what, you know what this is pointing to? Literally, laid bare, you know what that laid bare means? It means bending a neck back and performing a sacrifice. It means bending a neck back to slit it, if we can speak frankly. That's what this is talking about. It's talking about a, a blood sacrifice. Bending the neck of a sacrifice back to shed its blood. But that's, but that's not the end of the story. That's verse 13. Listen to verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For do we not have a high priest who is, who is not able to empathize with our weaknesses? We have one who, is, who was tempted in every way just like we are, but who did not sin. You know what that's saying? Jesus' neck was laid bare and He was sacrificed for you. It means Jesus hung, you know, you see the, the, the paintings and others where Jesus is kind of covered up. on. Jesus was naked on the cross. It means Jesus is exposed. It means Jesus is laid bare. It means Jesus' blood is shed and He is sacrificed. So what? You can rest in Him. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? You can rest right now, today, in Christ. You know what? He knows. You're exposed. He knows about your marital problems. He knows knows you're without work. He knows things are hard at work. He knows that. He knows about that physical pain you have right now that you just can't seem to, to get over and you have to live with every day. He knows. But what this passage is saying, what Hebrews 4 is saying is, he was naked and laid bare and sacrificed for all of that. Mostly for sin, your sin. And in the midst of all of that, you can have rest. In Him, in Christ. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And it's found in Jesus Christ. Psalm 32 5-7 through 7 says, Then I acknowledge my sin to you. I didn't cover up my iniquity. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray that you may be found. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of of deliverance you are my hiding place you will protect me from trouble surround me with songs of deliverance are you trying to fill in all the blanks and tired of it are you trying to earn your relationships with people and your relationship to God are you working 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 to say, "Well, I'm trying hard to be a Christian. Don't try hard to be a Christian. Look to Christ in faith. He died for you. He died in your place. I love what, uh, what Don Carson says, "Jesus, Jesus' rest is better than all the rest. Jesus' rest is better than all the rest. Find your rest in Him and know that Sunday's coming. Every week you're made to need it. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that our hearts would fill up with wonder and joy at your grace and how your grace is shed abroad in our hearts. It's amazing to see this, this, this passage of Scripture uh, link rest and Sabbath with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We are exposed. We are laid bare. But He was exposed. He was laid bare for us in our place. We pray that our, that our hearts would be filled with that grace and with that Rest. Oh Lord, our hearts are restless. And we can only find our rest in Christ, and Jesus' rest is better than all the rest. Lord, I pray that you would bring about at Highlands Presbyterian Church and in Madison Ridgeland and in Jackson and throughout this state and and country uh, a renewed commitment and understanding of and embracing of your wonderful gift of rest. The Lord's day and in Christ. We pray that you would shed abroad your your spirit, your Holy Spirit, and there would be a recognition of this overwhelmingly good gift of rest that you give. And as we go, as we think through, what does that mean? Gosh, what does that mean for me? my family, my work, my life, my children. I pray that we would be full of being overwhelmed at what a wonderful good gift this is and we would embrace it and deliberately live it. And we thank you for it. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.